The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, I hope you had a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays. How are you doing today? How are you going? Have, what, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing? Well, I'm feeling pretty good. Hope Again, a Happy Holidays, a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy New Year, whatever you're celebrating. Thank you for spending just a little bit of it up with us here at the Jet Press. Uh, Dominic is still over the moon about his guest appearance. Uh, for those that missed it, my uh, eight-year-old brother. At a guest spot on last week's uh, last week's uh, a couple days ago after the Commanders game, on that podcast, and he was very good. Had some pretty funny comments, and then afterwards, you'll like this story, Justin. Uh, we do. It's kind of a Christmasy tradition. My grandfather will get a bunch of those like two dollar scratch offs, and like we'll see if we win anything. He gets a bunch for everybody, and Dominic was the only one who won anything this year. He won four dollars, and uh, then then we told him. You know what? Like uh, I told him the viewers, like how many people we had at one time. And he goes, I had that many people and I won four dollars. This is the greatest Christmas ever. As loud as he could. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Oh, I, I almost cried. That was awesome. Oh, man. I'm so oh, you, glad we were all able to, to make his his Christmas day. You you inspired uh, joy and wonder and Christmas cheer in a, in a young child. So thank you for to, helping to do that. Uh, we'll get back onto uh, non-dominic topics this week, including uh, Thursday night game against the Cleveland Browns and a familiar face, actually two, Joe Flacco and Elijah Moore. So sure. we'll get into that. Uh, but before any of that, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We are on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok at the Jeff Press for both of them. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a like again, just for getting us up those review charts and a we really would appreciate it. Leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. That really does help, too, a lot, genuinely. So let's just dive right into our topics for this week's show, Include one of which we have two main topics, one of which is about a bunch of change that's going to sweep through the Jets. And then one of them is about the fact that key positions are not going to be changed, funny enough, because the coaching staff, according to multiple reports, I believe Albert Breer uh, being the main one, basically said everybody's coming back. Now, there have been some minor deviations from that. I got Tony Pauline, who, again, is a very uh, all over the place with his reports. He basically said the league assumes Keith Carter, the offensive line coach, is going to be gone and that players don't like him and the league feels the Jets are wasting their potential with Keith Carter. So, all right, even if you want to 
assume that Keith Carter is gone, which fine, it's an offensive line coach. Everybody else is pretty much coming back. That's Robert Sala. That's Nathaniel Hackett, sadly. That's Joe Douglas. That's the entire power structure. And it seems like they're going to bank on the whole, well, if Aaron Rodgers was here, things would be different. And the worst part of that, as me and Justin have said before, is they're kind of right. Things would be a lot different if they had Aaron Rodgers. Now, there'd still be problems. I don't think that they would win the division like many thought they would with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they would go on a deep playoff run with Aaron Rodgers, considering all the other problems on this team. But you could point to two or three games this year, Raiders game, Patriots game, Falcons game. That's three right there. Where forget Aaron Rodgers. If they had like Derek Carr, for crying out loud, they'd probably win those games. They're now in the playoffs right now with nine wins instead of six wins. And the discussion is completely different around pretty much everybody. So on one hand, I I understand that. I really do. Because Aaron Rodgers would cover up for a lot. He wouldn't cover up for everything like they maybe assumed he would. But he does cover up for a lot. On the other hand, this is them basically just saying immediately within 15 minutes of the season starting, we gave up on the year. Now we tried hard and players don't lose on purpose and we have a good defense. So just on a base level of talent, we won some of those games. But for all intents and purposes, we gave up on the season. The front office basically said that. Woody Johnson said that because nothing that they would have done this season seemingly would have impacted Robert Sala or Nathaniel Hackett or Joe Douglas. Like, it, we've been joking around about this. If they won two games this year, I still genuinely think everybody would have come back because they would have said, well, Rodgers would have would have fixed everything. I don't think that's the right attitude because without Rodgers, we've seen just how threadbare and how barren this offense is. They have basically two good players, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, and outside of that, that's it. Yeah, they can get a backup quarterback, but you know who else needs a backup quarterback and a starting quarterback? like most of the league. They're not going to be the only team out there. They're not going to get their pick of backup quarterbacks. So knowing the Jets, they're probably going to be slow to these things, and they end up with another Zach Wilson variant or 40-year-old quarterback who can't play anymore, like Mark Brunel during his last couple of years when they had uh, – Hey, Mark Brunel slander. No Mark Brunel slander. Relax. <laughs> All right, well, it's just that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking of. So, like, I'm really conflicted on this because – like Douglas and Sala are, you want to put them in a separate category, fine, because we like Sala's defense. We want to see him with a real quarterback. And Joe Douglas has done a lot of things wrong with the Jets, but you could always point to the 2022 draft. You could point to certain like smaller moves here or there, which are big for Jims. You got to hit on smaller moves. You got to hit on guys like Bryce Huff or guys like even a John Franklin Myers. Like you got to hit on some guys like that. And he has. But Hackett is the one that I keep coming back to because it just it it's doesn't make any sense. And not in like a goofy, you know, this guy has no idea what he's doing. I'm sure he knows a couple things about football, Nathaniel Hackett. More than us. He's, more than us. He's not gelling with he's forgotten more than we'll ever know. Yep. He's not gelling with the players. His scheme looks kind of outdated. Like it works sometimes, but it just seems like he the rest of the league is caught up to what Nathaniel Hackett's doing. And if Aaron Rodgers isn't there to do everything pre-snap that Nathaniel Hackett asks of his quarterbacks, because he does put a lot on his quarterbacks, even outside of Rodgers. He puts a lot in his quarterbacks pre-snap. If Rodgers isn't there to make up for it. The offense looks terrible. It looks disjointed. There's players running around not knowing what they're doing. The offensive line doesn't know what protection they're doing. My God, the offensive line. So the Hackett one is the one where I'm like, okay, now I think you're stretching things a little too far. 
as Alan in chat said, and he clarified this was rhetorical, of course. Was there any real doubt that Douglas, Salah, and Hackett would be retained? No. The answer is no. Now, I don't know if they won two games, like you said, Mike, if they would have uh, if they would have retained them. But ultimately, we've known that this staff was coming back for a long time. We tried to kind of copium and talk ourselves into, oh, maybe they could demote Hackett or whatever. Maybe they, maybe they would move on. Realistically, that was never going to happen. All three of these guys are going to be back, and it would have taken an unbridled disaster, which for as bad as it's been in 2023, it has not been an unbridled disaster, at least by Woody Johnson's standards, uh, by this Jets organization standards for, for the team. So we kind of known this for a while. I think you hit the nail on the head early on when you said it would obviously be better with Aaron Rodgers. It would undoubtedly be better this season with Aaron Rodgers. But I also think like the, obviously the important question is, would it be good enough? And that's going to be the question that the Jets are asking themselves going into next season. It's not just, oh, is it going to be better than last year? It's how can it be good enough to not only make the playoffs, because that should be the bare minimum expectation. It should be how can we compete for a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl in this very small window that we have Aaron Rodgers. That's what the Jets should be asking themselves. And unfortunately, they've just kind of, I don't know, like you said, they gave up on this season, right? They gave up on the season going into it. And they said, all right, after that Rodgers injury, this is kind of what we're stuck with. This is the situation we're in. Maybe they 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 realized they didn't address QB2 as well as they should have. Either way, this was the situation they were stuck with. And unfortunately, that's what we have. That's what we have going into next year. It's this coaching staff. Now, I know that that there was a report, I think from Albert Breer, like you said, that said that basically Sala expects the entire coaching staff to be retained, the 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 entirety. So that includes Keith Carter. That includes Todd Downing. Uh, to, uh, Tony Pauline, like you mentioned, reported different, that Keith Carter could be fired. Believe who you want. I would hope that Keith Carter is fired. That's my hope. Like that is, that is, I'm going into the offseason being like, man, I hope this happens. Um, but I would not be stunned at all if they just give a complete mulligan to this entire coaching staff, which that's what it is. Like, honestly, I have no reaction because I've been resigned to the fact that that was reality for a long time now, that this is what they were going to do. They just got to hopefully capitalize on, on their, on their small window. And they're, they're residing by this coaching staff. They're, they're believing in them. They're saying, these are the guys. And who knows, man? I don't know. I hope they're the guys, but I wouldn't be stunned if in two years and or more than less than two years, if at the next year, they're looking for an entirely new regime. And, and I know Rogers has said he wants to play two years, but you know, if the Jets win seven games next year and everyone's fired, you think Rogers come back in 2025? Because I don't. No way. No way. Yeah. But the tough part I've always tried to reconcile with talking about this Jets season, how kind of the coaching staff is viewed is why am I giving mulligans to some people, Salah, even Douglas to a degree, and not to others like Hackett and Keith right. Carter. And I think it's mostly because coaches and GMs to me are kind of macro problems. Like if you fire a coach and a GM especially, which firing them both together nowadays is very common, that's a sign that just how we're building organizationally and how we're trying to win just is not working. There's some weird negative toxic energy in the building. People aren't getting along. We have years and years and years of misses that have built a very tough foundation for the future that two new people have to come in and fix. That's when coaches and GMs get fired. Micro problems. It sounds weird calling the Jets offense this season a micro problem, but if you want to point to declining offensive line play or bad wide receiver play or regression from the quarterbacks, then – that's something where you look at maybe a position coach, or I think the coordinator, that's why everybody wants to fire their coordinator. No one likes their coordinator is because that's as big of a day-to-day -day change sometimes as you can get in the NFL is firing your coordinator or changing play callers. And that's why I'm, it's the same thing that we've said 
with this whole quarterback thing with Zach Wilson, with Trevor Simeon, like I know that they don't get the benefit of if they try something and then they make a mistake, they can't like rehire Nathaniel Hackett and go, whoops, let's go back to the old guy. Like I know they can't do that, but what we bemoaned about the whole quarterback thing was that they didn't try seemingly to fix a lot of these problems. They just said, all right, whatever, whatever happens, happens, Zach. And we said, well, at least try. He could be worse, Trevor Simeon. Now we know that he is, but just try. And they didn't do that. That's why we were pissed. Like, if they go back into it with Hackett, it just seems like they're they're not trying to fix some of the problems that would be there with Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And they're just saying, well, Rodgers, because yeah, Rodgers isn't Jesus. He's not perfect. He can't fix everything. So they're saying, well, yeah, we'll go into it with some problems. We know we have a vanilla offense. We know we don't have great skill position players outside of Wilson and Hall. We know the offensive line is still a problem, but we have Aaron Rodgers and that'll fix it. And it'll fix some of it. And you know what? If they get into the playoffs, we can say, oh, is it going to be good enough to win a Super Bowl? You and I both know if they got to the playoffs, they're building statues of people because this team hadn't seen the playoffs in 13 years. So even if they get there, just to say they were the guys who broke the curse, I mean, that'd be worth its weight in gold enough. And, And we've seen it before. Once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Right. You don't have to be the best team in the NFL to win the Super Bowl. And I also want to like, I want to talk about this too, because I feel like, and you mentioned this before, everyone is already looking at this jet schedule. And every, honestly, every fan base does this too. They look at their team from the pre- previous season and they go, Oh, if we add this and this and this, we have X amount of wins more. That's, that's what teams always do. Fan bases always do this. I think it's important to, to put into context how the Jets have had their wins this season. There are three wins the Jets have this year that they were. I want to say gifted, like in a lot of ways, they were gifted those games. I'd say the Bills game, the Giants game and the Eagles game. They were essentially gifted all three of those wins. The Giants did not have a quarterback that they trusted to throw the ball after the beginning of the second quarter. Sure. Some of that's because of how great the Jets defense was, but they were gifted that game. Like they didn't even attempt to throw the ball. They, they did not. They, they Until overtime. They didn't even try it. They literally did not attempt a pass until overtime after the beginning of the second quarter. The Eagles game, it took Jalen Hurts making one of the most boneheaded decisions of his entire career, throwing that interception and sending the Jets up and, and to, to be able to win that game. That doesn't happen 99% of times. And then, of course, the, the Bills game, there's no reason the Jets should have, should have won that game. They probably do not score in overtime. If not for Xavier Gibson returning that punt, they likely do not score and they likely do not win. They either tie or lose. So that's three games right there. Like, yeah, you could say, oh, throw an Aaron Rodgers in and you win these games, but also there's a few games you got gifted and you probably shouldn't have won. So I don't think it's fair to look at this team and be like, oh, yeah, they won six or seven games, whatever they're going to end up winning this year without Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that means they're definitely going to win 10, 11, you know, whatever with Rodgers next season. Because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of variables there, there with that. And if you go into next season with that mindset or specifically go into the offseason, you might end up like the Giants. And you're just overvaluing, overestimating your team based on some fluky plays that you had last year that got you a couple wins. Because that's ultimately what football is. You know, when the Bills were six and six, they weren't a six and six football team. They were top five in offensive and defensive DVOA. They were one of the top five teams in the NFL. And that's probably, they were probably even better than that. They had gotten extremely unlucky. I think the Jets, in a lot of ways, have gotten very lucky with those 50 50 games this year. And there's a couple of games where you could point to and be like, oh, you know, certain things happened. Uh, but I think at least three wins, at least half of their wins this year have been very fluky wins. So I, I think it's important not to overvalue that going into the offseason. I, I get your point too about like, don't overvalue what you have, but maybe this is just me being a Jets guy. Like, I don't know, looking at that defense too, I just feel like there's more, 
there's more like I think tangible talent than a team like maybe the Giants going all in on Daniel Jones. I think that's a little different than like the Jets going all in on this defense because that's really like going to be the foundation. Even with Aaron Rodgers, this is going to be I still think a defense first team because they just don't have the personnel or the schematic genius needed to really be a high a very explosive offense. Now they could do that if they got rid of Hackett and brought in someone else that A, Rodgers likes, and B, just has more competency on the offensive end, but they just have no interest in doing that. And again, it's that old excuse from Aaron Rodgers that I hate. Well, when I play, it works. Yeah, whenever you play in anything, it works. Because you're Aaron Rodgers. We just need to execute better. Like, oh yeah, we just need Zach Wilson to go 45 yards on the run with a half an inch of separation right into a waiting guy's arms. Like, yeah, just do that. I can do it. Why, is, why doesn't Trevor Simeon do that? Like you, you're being like, intentionally obtuse here, Aaron. I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate now, but my, my devil's advocate counter argument to that would be, I don't expect the defense to be as good next year as they are this year. Maybe they are. Maybe well, this did you say that too last year about this year. Cause they were very healthy. We did. We did. And that's, that's another part of what just makes me think, Man, what are the odds to get the Jets get three healthy years for the most part out of their star defensive players, out of most of their defense? Like, knock on wood, other than a couple like concussion issues, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed have been healthy this season. Quincy Williams, CJ Mosley, Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers. I know he has the ankle recently, but uh, Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff, like almost the entire defense has been fully, fully healthy this year. I hope we get that again next year. And I also like, what are the odds they all play at the same level again? Who knows? Maybe this is just my devil's advocate side saying that. I don't know. Uh, I just think going into next year, they can't just think, okay, we get Aaron Rodgers back. We we put him a year and we make a couple of offensive tweaks and we're going to win a Super Bowl. Like I, I think that there's a lot more they need to do to set themselves up for that. And it, it starts with more than Rodgers. It starts with trying to fix the offensive line any way you can. Throw as many resources at the offensive line as you possibly can this offseason. Add another premier level pass catcher and then get like another suitable RB2 alongside Brees. You do that, and I think this offense can be pretty good, even if Nathaniel Hackett's there, because Rodgers can hopefully work his magic. I'm just working with what they have because they're not getting rid of Hackett. Ideally, you'd want to replace him too, but they're bringing him back. We already know that. So I, I think going into the offseason, they can't be like, oh, let's bring in Aaron. Let's, we, we're getting back Aaron Rodgers. That's basically our big move of the offseason. We'll sign a mid-level receiver. We'll sign one guard and then call it a day, and then maybe use our top pick on a tackle or something. Like I, I feel like they need to do more than that, and I hope they do. Well, one thing they're definitely going to do is just change the roster because this roster is not working as currently constructed. They need to make some improvements and maybe some additions by subtraction I think is going to be the big thing, uh, including a couple players that if I had my druthers, I don't think are going to be back next year just because – like there's no way that like we talked about like oh you can't get too complacent and you can't just bring everybody back I mean you can't go into next year with guys like Mackay Becton Zach Wilson Jordan Whitehead in positions of prominence and be like oh yeah things will be fine don't worry about it like if I'm looking at players who won't return to the Jets next year I feel like obviously there's going to be one name at the tip of everybody's tongue and that's Zach Wilson but eschewing the the Wilson talk. For a period of time, I'm looking at the offensive line. Like as Keegan here says on uh, on Twitter, I'm not calling it X, I'm calling it Twitter. <laughs> AVT and Tittman are the only linemen returning to the starting line. I mean, there's a very good chance that that happens because Lakin Tomlinson is not a sure thing to be back. Connor McGovern looks like this is it for him. 
the cavalcade, the clown car of guys playing right guard. I don't think he's coming back. But then I look at Makai Becton. I'm like, all right, this was a make or break year. This is going to be, is Makai Becton going to be the tackle for 10 years or are they going to look for another guy? And they're going to look for another guy. Like he was up and down all year, but I liked him for staying healthy. I liked him for actually being a pretty good run blocker. Like how many times earlier in the year or two were we screaming at Hackett, why don't you run behind Makai Becton? I mean, that used to be, the thing about those halcyon days, that was our big complaint with the offense was direction of running the ball and not they can't score touchdowns at all when not aided by Sam Howell being dumb. But then Becton just started declining and getting worse and worse over the year. Like the Miami game was shocking. The Miami game, for a guy of his pedigree and talent level, that was as bad a full game as I've seen in quite some time from an offensive tackle. I mean, he had no idea what to do. And it's games like that where you're like, okay, like, you're like, I could see a situation where it works. And then he does that. And you're like, why is this guy not a backup? Why is this guy not on a practice squad? Is he ever going to put it together? And I feel like just with where the Jets are going to be picking next year, the money they're going to be able to spend in free agency, if they want to go improve that way, I can't see Becton coming back. No, I I completely agree. In fact, if I were to say there's one player on this roster, I, I genuinely think I mean this. Any single player in this roster who I am as uh, other than I'll say Dwayne Brown, <laughs> I don't think Dwayne Brown's gonna be here next year, but maybe besides Dwayne Brown, there was another player in this roster I'm like guaranteeing is not gonna be on the roster next year. It's Makai Becton. Uh, Keegan in chat saying, don't mind a healthy Becton, but we should have looked to upgrade a healthy Becton this season. Cause let's be honest, other than that minor injury that kept him out a week and maybe you can, you can argue uh, limited him or, or, you know, hurt his performance for a couple of weeks, he's been pretty healthy this season. A healthy Makai Becton is first among all tackles and sacks allowed and second in penalties. He's had 13 penalties in 14 games, allowed 11 sacks. That's a healthy Makai Becton. That's not somebody who I want starting for my football team. I'm sorry. Especially uh, and a 40-year-old whose leg blew up a year ago. Well, I'm saying Makai Becton. No, I'm saying with Aaron Rodgers being there. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I think yeah I you especially was- don't want Makai Becton. For some reason, I thought you were talking about Dwayne Brown. And I'm no, like, no, Makai's like blowing up was two years ago. And Dwayne Brown's shoulder blew up in his back. No. Uh, <laughs> but, and the other reason is like, not only it's not just performance, some team is going to pay Makai Becton a lot more than the Jets would be ever willing to do. I get the sense the Jets and Makai Becton are kind of mutually happy to be parting ways. Uh, I don't think his his comments this offseason ever sat well with the coaching staff and if he performed well, it wouldn't have mattered. But the fact that he's underperformed, I would say, even if he stayed healthy, and I'm very happy for him that he stayed healthy. He did an awesome job this offseason getting himself in the best shape of his career, and he deserves to be praised for that. Good for him. Unfortunately, his performance on the field has just not been up to snuff. It's not been good enough. And I think that combined with his deteriorating relationship with the organization over the last, honestly, two, three years. Uh, and then you also throw in the fact that he's a young offensive tackle with clearly a high upside and a high draft pedigree hitting the open market. That doesn't happen often. There will be a team that is willing to pay him a lot of money, even with his injury history. I'm like, I would not be shocked if he got three years, 45 million. Like, I'm not even joking. Uh, if Cam Robinson can get the franchise tag, Makai Becton can make three years, 45 million with an out after two years. I could see that. I could talk. The Jets aren't going to do that, but I could see that. So oh, back, no, to back again with our favorite question. <laughs> I'll, 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 I
All right. The biggest problem with Becton is injuries and he doesn't stay healthy. So let's get one of the few guys in the league who's more injured and stays healthy less. But here's the thing. That's it's a fair question because I totally think that's going to happen. Like it shouldn't, but I'm not saying I want look, I'm okay with David Bakhtiari on the Jets in 2024 if he is not locked into a starting role. That is the only way that I'm okay with him. If you go into the season and go, okay. Either he is locked into a starting role and you have a really good depth option, like a high draft pick or something, or you're going in and saying, all right, he's competing with this draft pick or this guy, whatever. That's the way I'm cool with it. But you can't rely on him to stay healthy for 17 games. Uh, But I do think that the Jets beating the commanders this week makes it more likely. I tweeted that at the time. And then everyone's like, oh, you idiot. Like I I said, like, Dave, you know, welcome to the Jets. Welcome to Florham Park, David Bakhtiari or whatever, like after that win. Uh, People are like, oh, you idiot. Why would you want him? I'm not saying I want David Bakhtiari. We don't want Randall Cobb either. I want Joe Alt or Olu Fashanu probably, but I don't think that's going to happen at this stage unless the Jets lose their final two games or somebody falls. Like we were texting about this earlier. Joe Alt fails a drug test. Something happens. Like I don't think it's right now. The Jets have the number nine pick. I did a mock draft. There is a path. If the commanders go quarterback at three, I think there's a path. If three QBs go in the top, like eight could happen. I it, don't rule it out, yes. but again, that's that's Halsey, and even then, it'll probably be JC Latham anyway. Like, yeah, they're, they're getting a tackle. I just hope it's not Bakhtiari. Brian and chat, great point. Mike McGlinchey got a five year, $70 million contract. That man is an average right tackle, he is as mid as it gets, like get a lot of penalties, gives up some sacks, as mid as it gets. But he was a top 10, I think he was ninth overall pick, top 10 pick, came from a successful team. There you go, that's why he got that money. He's from like where I'm at now, like in my area. That's where his family's from. So really, there you go. That's fine. Don't 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 be too hard on on McGlinchey. I'm not. He's good. Look for good for him. Secure that bag. Get your money. Good for Makai because I want him to get paid this offseason. That'll be really cool for him. And honestly, it'll be it'll be a culmination moment for him because he worked hard this offseason. I'm glad he's going to get paid because of it. It's just not going to be by the Jets. Uh, I I know you wanted to talk about this player, Mike. So I'll bring him up and we can talk about him because I, I saw a comment about this. If we're talking about players who won't be back in 2024, Jordan Whitehead needs to be talked about. All right. Because yes, Jordan does. All right. Jordan, Jordan Whitehead. Whitehead is- I'll, I'll throw it out there because Keegan said Whitehead can stay. He's playing well. I don't know if you want to take that. Uh, I disagree. I would say that the safety who's allowed, I think, three more touchdowns than any other safety in football isn't playing particularly well. But you, I'll let you have the floor, Mike. Well, I think it might be four more, too. Jordan Whitehead four? more likely to make a Pro Bowl than Sauce Gardner at this point because. Well, based on fan voting, yeah, but yeah, I don't think right. that's the same. Typically, all right, if if you're close to like leading the league in interceptions, like I remember people were ripping on Trayvon Diggs when he had like 11 picks, but he would get beat sometimes. Like, all right, if you have that many picks, you're doing something well. And there is a, a pretty strong correlation a lot of the time between a lot of interceptions and good defensive back play. But also sometimes when you're Sauce Gardner and you have none, sometimes that can also be just as telling. So Jordan Whitehead has four interceptions this year, yep. which you'd think, oh, that you know, that's unbelievable. He's four really? interceptions, especially after last year where he was wasn't great. And I actually do think genuinely he's been better this year than last year. Last year, last year he was awful, and this year he's been like okay. I think is the best way to describe him has been okay. But Jordan Whitehead, I think what made him really good in Tampa Bay and why he hasn't been able to live up to it with the Jets is. Todd Bowles, to his credit, I know we don't like Todd Bowles, but especially as a defensive coordinator, he is pretty good at, especially with defensive backs, like knowing where you're best served. 
and getting creative with guys. Like I think he kind of started that whole money linebacker safety as a linebacker trend in Arizona. Yeah. Who, that who was, was that him with Mark Barron. Was that who was Dayon Buchanan? I think did Dayon it too. Buchanan. That's who it was. Yeah. It was Dayon Buchanan. And then, but I mean, sometimes there were some mistakes like Sheldon Richardson playing like off ball sometimes. Yeah. Like there were some, some weird decisions, but like he generally has been pretty creative. I mean, that's kind of what made Jamal Adams really good with the Jets early on is Todd Bowles used him in a variety of different ways and kind of obscured the, like, I, he wasn't as bad as he is in coverage now with the Jets. He had some flaws, but like he obscured that and kind of played to his strengths. And he did that with Whitehead in Tampa Bay. Like he used his speed, he used his aggressiveness, and it worked pretty well. And this, it just hasn't because I think Robert Sala is asking him to play more like a traditional safety. And a lot, you know, a lot of cover three, a lot of quarters, hang back, cover a lot of ground. And that's not really his game. He's not that big as safety. He's like 5'11. Like he's at his best almost as like, almost like a nickel-y, you know, blitzing, flying all over. That's what he's good at. Like, they're just not asking him to do things that he's good at. And you're not getting Robert Sala to change the scheme because, number one, he never changes his scheme, and, number two, it's working really well. So I just think they need to find someone who's a better fit. Like, Keegan, again, said he's decent in our elite defense. You know, other positions need upgrades more than safety. And I could see that a little bit, but also – I don't think they don't need to break the bank for a safety. They don't need to get like, you know, sign the best guy out there to a four-year contract. I don't think that's what we're asking. I think we're saying maybe, I don't know, go with like an Ashton Davis or like get a, get a veteran on a cheaper deal. who could be a better schematic. Right get, hope that Chuck Clark comes back and ends up. I mean, they did trade for Chuck Clark for a reason because the safety play wasn't as good last year. So like Whitehead, I think part of it too is he's, I think he has one more year left on his deal. Whitehead. No, he's free agent. Oh, he's free agent? Okay, so but he still, I think, is going to earn a good amount of money in free agency. I just don't think the Jets are going to be willing to pay that, and there's going to be a lot of guys who can give you the same production for less of a price. Oh, four interceptions. Three of them were in one quarter and against the Bills and, and Josh Allen. So if you take that quarter where it was partially just Josh Allen you know, losing his mind, and then you could, get, you could probably get similar production from guys like as Brian mentions in chat – Guys, like I know I wasn't too high on Darnell Savage, but I think Savage and Whitehead are kind of. Yeah, I got I got shit on when I said it. When Brian brings it up, you're like, "Oh yeah, good idea." I was like, "Darnell Savage, you're laughing at me." <laughs> well, because I don't want them to pay a ton of money, and like I don't think yeah. he's like a significant upgrade. I think they're like it's the Spider Man pointing meme. Yeah, I don't think he's like a big upgrade. And then Cam Curl, I actually think might be an upgrade. Cam Curl's good. If Washington lets Cam Curl go, absolutely, he's a young, talented safety for sure. Give me Cam Curl. So, uh, yeah, that that's where I think we're coming at. Not like Jordan Whitehead is the worst player ever. It's just he's not a good fit, and there's so many better guys you could get who are a better fit mm-hmm. for not that much more of a price, or actually maybe even cheaper. Jordan Whitehead, by the way, so not only does he lead all safeties and touchdowns allowed, it's only by two. Reed Blankenship is catching up, but Jordan Whitehead's allowed eight touchdowns this year. It's two more than any, any other safety in football. He also leads all safeties and missed tackles. So if you can't cover and you can't tackle, what are you doing, right? And obviously, those are counting numbers. I would say that Jordan White has been better than that indicates. I don't think he's the worst coverage safety in the NFL. I think he's been better in coverage this year than he was last year. I don't think he is uh, the worst tackling safety, although he's not a very good one. Um, He also, I think he's played the third most snaps of any safety too. So there's a reason those numbers are high. He's playing a lot. 
but you could definitely do better. He's a free agent in the offseason. I don't think they're going to pay top dollar for a safety. Joe Douglas has shown that he does not really value the position, which, to be fair, their defense is elite even without valuing the safety position. So I get it. But at the same time, I think how good this Jets defense, like because the Jets defense is so good, it overshadows or I guess it compensates for poor safety play. I don't think Tony Adams has been particularly good this season. I think he'll be back as a starter next year because he is dirt cheap and he is young and they're hoping he can continue to improve. With Jordan Whitehead, you have to re-sign him. He's not as young. He'll cost more. That's why I don't think he'll be back. I think Whitehead, you could argue, has been slightly better than Adams this year. They've both been below average starters, in my opinion. Starting caliber players. Look, I, I, I know we've shit on Jordan Whitehead a lot. I think he's a starting caliber safety. I don't think he's atrocious as a player. Uh, but I just think that you can do better for the price that they can probably get. Whether it's they re-sign Ashton Davis, re-sign Chuck Clark for cheap, draft another player. Maybe you hope someone like Jark Bernard Converse can take a can take a leap. Although, I mean, he's missed half his rookie year anyway, so I'm not sure what their expectations are for going into next season. Or maybe you sign like some you know some some cheaper younger veteran like Darnell Savage, who I, I think it was we talked about this last week. Spot Track has him at like one one year three point five million or something as his contract. Or no, that maybe that was AJ Dillon. I don't know. I imagine Darnell Savage is not getting paid a ton of money in free agency. Cam Crow would be probably a, a bigger upgrade and cost more. Uh, but if they go out and bring back Chuck Clark, bring back Ashton Davis, you got Tony Adams, maybe even you make a make a signing for Darnell Savage. That's a perfectly fine safety room. It'll cost less than you're probably paying for Whitehead right now. And I think you upgrade. Uh let me get a good player here that I think is gonna go. Cause I know who you want to talk about next. I don't want to be like the obvious, like, yeah, I don't think Carl Lawson's going to be on the Jets next year. Shocker, right? Stunner. If they had listened to me and cut him in the preseason. I know. That one, I'll take the L on. I'll take the L on that one. Although, again, my... I, I took the L on Coke. We're even. We're even. My, my, I will not, I will not, I will die on the hill that two things are true with Carl Lawson. That the signing at the time was a great signing and it was a great, it was a great contract. Oh, they totally. Got they got screwed. And that... I was perfectly happy with them keeping him this season because I thought, hey man, if he's anything like he was before he came, before he had that, that Achilles surgery or the Achilles injury, he's going to be really good. And I said, I think I said going into the season, I'm like, he could be their best edge rusher. Unfortunately, he had the back injury and it has not been the same. And now it's just, it's a shame. It's a shame what's happened to his career. But I'm not going to say Carl Austin. I think that's too obvious. I know you want to talk about. Um, I'll, I'm, let's, I'll, I'll throw two names out there with the offensive line. So two names. I'm not guaranteeing either of these guys are gone next year. But I think there's a decent chance at least one of them is. First, I'll say Max Mitchell. Max Mitchell will be on the roster in the summer of 2024. He's not getting cut this offseason. But he's going to have to fight for a roster spot. And that's a, that sucks considering, I think, expectations going into this year were, oh, he's a very good swing tackle backup who can maybe be a starter in the future. That worked out. That was okay as a rookie, but some tough situations too. I think that was the the expectation going into this year that he's your your third tackle and that's fine. And maybe he could develop into a starter when Brown retires or Becton walks or whatever the situation was. Unfortunately, he's been given an opportunity. I think he started seven or eight games this year uh, and he's been really bad, like really, really bad. I think he's like top – or 15 and sacks allowed at tackle and he's started seven games or eight games whatever it's been that's awful uh he's allowed i think 30 pressures as well in those seven or eight games which again not good that's very bad 
Uh, we always so, had that one game against Max Crosby. Was that that was yeah, him? One game against Crosby, and it wasn't it Joey Bosa too. He also played well against. No, he got killed against Joey, Joey Bosa. Bosa. Whatever. I knew something. Rip Zach Wilson's spleen out. I know. No, something notable game. happened against Joey Bosa. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I think Max Mitchell will come back in 2024. My expectation is he does not make the roster because I think Carter Warren has replaced him as the new fourth round developmental tackle project that the Jets are working on. They're giving him starts down the stretch. I don't expect Max Mitchell to get another start unless, you know, Becton gets hurt or something or Carter Warren gets hurt again. Uh, Before you go on to the next one, there's a comment from Billy SBC in chat who's been very active saying, you know, the Jets need to maybe make some sacrifices on the defensive end and funnel that money over towards the offensive line, which – I don't know if it needs to be that drastic. I think that some of that's going to happen. I don't know about like you know tearing it down that much. Yeah, but I think he has better. a comment here. Move Becton to right guard. See if we could salvage something. Otherwise, he'll be out of the NFL. Like I, I feel like Becton's almost being betrayed by his body a little bit because like style of play wise, I think he could be a good guard because he's a really good run blocker. He's very strong. He can definitely move guys. Like I think he could be good on the interior. The problem is he's just so big. Like how many six, seven, three hundred fifty pound guards are there? No. Very few. Tittman's a big center at six six, and even then, people are like, "I don't know about Tittman on the inside." Like that was a legitimate question for a lot of people. So, I just don't. You just don't see many guards his size in the NFL. And it's too late. There's two games left. They're not teaching yeah. a position he's never played before. I don't think he's practiced at all at guard, to my knowledge. It have to be his third uh, position, too. And it's like a Zach Wilson situation where both sides have kind of mutually understood that they're moving on in the offseason. I, I just – it wouldn't – I don't think Becton would be receptive to that at all, first of all. I, I mean, not that – you know, I know we, we have the whole, oh, I'm a left tackle thing, and he eventually ended up playing right tackle. But at this stage of the season, when he's playing very likely his final two games with the Jets, why would he move to guard? He's not going to do that. Uh, maybe if you brought him back next year, it would be something that if you're going in the summer and you're like, maybe we can try cross training him there. But like, I don't think I, like you said, Mike, I think he's too tall. He's too big. Like he's, you're not playing guard, especially in this scheme where you're asking your guards to pull all the time. Like, I just don't think he can do it. Um, he's going to get paid though. Like, I don't think the out of the NFL thing, I don't, I, he's not going to be out of the NFL. Somebody's going to, somebody's going to pay him. Like some team is going to pay him a lot of money to start next season, very likely at left tackle. So he's going to get his money. He's going to get his opportunity that he wants. I, I know he was bad. And for three consecutive seasons, he had a hand in ruining the Jets offensive line plan. But it'll be different because I'm me and I'm awesome and very smart. So it'll be different this time. I think teams will look at it and they'll. this is how they'll This is how they'll rationalize it and they'll look at it in their heads. And who knows? Maybe some of this is true. They'll look at it and say, all right, he got very unlucky with injuries in a couple of years. And he stayed healthy this year, proving that he can do it. He got himself in great shape, was clearly motivated, yada, yada, all that stuff. On top of that, they'll chalk up some of his poor play this season to him moving, you know, switching back and forth between positions in the summer and the, I would say, very poor offensive line play next next to him and alongside him. Also, I don't think Keith Carter is held in very well regard around the league. And some some teams legit might be, oh, that Jets offensive coaching staff stinks. Like they might say that and be like, our coaching staff's better. We can get more out of him. And some of that may absolutely be true. I'm not saying that Mikai Becton is going to be a flop wherever he signs. Uh, I just think that some teams will rationalize it that way. One offensive lineman I do want to get your thoughts on, Mike, because it's someone I think I think we need to talk about. I'm not saying that I think this player will be gone, but it's someone I think that's in that discussion is Lakin Tomlinson. Because Lakin Tomlinson, mm-hmm. I know somebody we had somebody in chat say earlier that Joe Tippman and Elijah Vera Tucker are the only two offensive linemen that should be back in 2024. And if we're saying on merit, yeah, probably I agree. Unfortunately, Lakin Tomlinson is making $18 million next year. You 
lose, or I think it's 10 million in dead cap. If you cut him, um, you can split that. If you try and make him a post June first cut, I don't think they do that. I think they need the cap relief up front. So they probably would just cut him outright. And you lose $10 million doing that. Now you save 8 million, which is a large chunk of savings. The upside to Ledeke and Tomlinson um, is that he's been healthy. He's played every game. I think the Jets absolutely value that. I think they value that he's a veteran leader and a, a stable presence along an offensive line that has had a ridiculous amount of turnover, not only during the season, but will likely have a lot of turnover going into next year. I think they value that. The downside is that he leads all guards. Uh, I tweeted out these stats yesterday. I'm going to pull them up now. But he, he leads all guards in pressures allowed. I believe he's allowed 48 pressures this season. Um, where, and you know, he's no older. will be 32 next year. It'll be 32. No other guard has allowed more than 41 pressures this year. Tomlinson's allowed 48. The difference between Tomlinson and the guy who's in third place, who's allowed 38 pressures, is the same as difference between third place and 10th and 20th place. So Lincoln Tomlinson not only has been the worst pass protection guard, protecting guard from a from a pressure standpoint in the NFL, but by a significant margin. Uh, like he's lapping guys out there. He's been really bad. He has been bad. So do you move on from him is the question. I would say I'm leaning towards, I think they keep him. I'm not saying that's the right move. I think they value the stability. I don't think they think he's been as bad as the numbers indicate. I think they value the leadership, the stability, the durability, and I think he's on the roster in 2024. But what do you think? Well, one thing I've kind of mentioned a lot of offensive line play is offensive line play, bad bad play, can really infect everybody else on the offensive line. Like I've said before, find me an offensive line with one all pro and then like four guys who shouldn't be on the roster. Like it doesn't really happen like that. Like even like like the Browns with Joe Thomas, like Joe Thomas would give up some sacks because like he can't stop everybody on every single play. Like eventually breakdowns are going to happen and sacks are going to happen. I think that's especially true with, with interior linemen as well. Like there's so much teamwork that goes into that guards and center play. They are, they are go hand in hand, especially too in this scheme where they're moving all the time and they're pulling all the time. Like, it's very complex for an offensive line. And then, so I'm looking at Lakin Tomlinson, and if you want to write a lot of the Jets' offensive struggles off as freak year, everything got foobar immediately, and just this is – he got lost in the, the big tidal wave that swept over this team, you could say, you know what, next year we'll have a real offense, we'll have a real quarterback who can actually understand protections, and we'll have a better offensive line around him, and then he'll play better. Because we have seen – like, I know this was a couple of years ago, but 2020, very good. 2021, pro bowler. And then, like, the, I, th- that's what drives me crazy because you can see talent gradually decline as you get older. People just don't forget how to play football. Like, the Lake and Tomlinson in San Francisco and the Lake and Tomlinson in New York look like totally different players. And I have a hard time believing he just was this terrible lineman all the time, had one year where he was great, and then became terrible again. To me, I think he got put in, admittedly, a tough situation. Not an impossibly tough situation no one can overcome, but a difficult one. He may not be good enough to overcome that. But I think there is a path to a better left tackle, a full year of Tittman, a healthy Elijah Vera Tucker, and then you could see just by having that comfort where he doesn't have to necessarily be Quentin Nelson or Randall McDaniel every single week because he's the only offensive lineman. I mean, there were times this year where he was like pretty much the only guy who looked like he was even an NFL starter because they were shuffling guys so much, practice squad guys, rookies. Carter Warren wasn't even supposed to play. Now he's starting in the middle of the year. I mean, it was not good around him. 
So I could see where you get rid of him, especially in a free agent class. We bemoan the lack of great tackles in this free agency class. Guard is actually pretty deep this mm-hmm. year. Like if you want to spend money in free agency in the offseason, guard is where you do it at. So I could see a situation where that happens. I just don't think the Jets will look at somebody who they probably like, who the locker room likes, and who stays healthy all the time on a team that doesn't stay healthy all the time and say, you know what, we can do better. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's I fully expect them to address the guard position, whether they they uh, move on from Tomlinson or not in free agency. I mean, there's, there's a few pretty notable names. I mean, Kevin Zeitler, uh, Connor Williams is going to be out there, although he's more of like a center guard. Uh, he can play both. Robert Hunt, we've talked about him before. Uh, Jonah Jackson from Detroit. Right. Greg Greg Van Roten. Uh, Andres Pete, who has admittedly not been great. Uh, like there's some names, there's some names. I'm, I'm just scrolling down the list now and trying to, trying to tackles like Tyron Smith, who also gets hurt all the time. And then yep. not much else. Pat Elfline jets legend. Uh, anyway, <laughs> getting down the rabbit hole there. I, I also think, I think you're, you're stronger than, than Pat Elfline that no, but I appreciate it. Uh, he played <laughs> like it. A strong was, breeze knocked him over half the time. I feel like Spencer long was the same way as well, but, uh, anyway, Spencer long, the center who couldn't snap and signing Joe Douglas. Yeah, but I I also think the other part of it is they are already at a bare minimum because we've already determined that Becton is gone. At a bare minimum, they're going to be adding two new offensive linemen this offseason at a bare minimum. That's a lot. That's already almost half your line. If you add a third to that, if you cut Tomlinson, not only now because you save about $8 million doing that, you need to find somebody who you think is an upgrade over Tomlinson for $8 million, which can be done, absolutely can be done in free agency, for sure, I 100% agree. But you also need to add potentially another guard if you're keeping Vera Tucker at right tackle, or you have to add two new tackles as well as a guard in free agency. So you now have three new offensive linemen that you need to add in one offseason. That is a and lot. And then you got to deal with a quarterback and Aaron Rodgers, who if guys don't like get the scheme as quick as he does, which like we've seen yeah. sometimes he can be very prickly and very angry. Like if you don't know what you're doing and he's yeah. the quarterback, he can, that can really, things can get frosty. Happens yeah. with receivers more vocally, but it's happened with linemen before. And I'm aware that what I'm describing is basically the sunk cost fallacy. I'm well aware of that. Like, oh, you already got a lot of money. You sunk into him. You know, you're, you're already kind of tied in there. Might as well just stick with him. I'm aware that's how that sounds. But one, I think that's exactly their mindset. I think that's exactly how they're thinking. And two, it's valid. Like, it is valid to a degree that it's a lot to, to add three new offensive linemen in one long season. Even if I, I did say before, they should be throwing all the resources at the offensive line. I would not be upset if they did move on from Lakin Tomlinson. I think right now I'm leaning towards probably keep him and probably uh, just hope that he plays better. And I think that they will do that, but I wouldn't be stunned if they did move on and I wouldn't be upset either. I if, if the, the one player that I think is definitely gone. We're finally rejoicing. Dalvin cook. One <laughs> of the biggest L's I've taken in my football analysis career. I thought Dalvin cook had so much more juice left in the tank. Well, he was going to be a bad signing. I knew it. All right, fine. Nobody thought this. Not a single person. Was that me? Were you mocking me there? No, not even you. Uh, There are some couple people who, like, are taking victory laps. Like, oh, I knew Dalvin Cook would be this bad. All right, like, you knew he wouldn't live up to the money. Did you think, like, 250 yards and fumbles and barely playing? Like, I don't think anybody thought this would happen this quickly. Like, we've seen gradual declines. Like, Ezekiel Elliott with the Patriots is a gradual decline, but there's still, like, times where he's effective and he looks like the old Zeke. This is just falling off a cliff. He did not, he was all right, not as good last year. He did not look like this last year. 
he, he did not. He was not this level of bad. And I think that just goes to show how much the situation matters too. Like not that Minnesota last year was a great situation for a running back. Cause I don't think it, it was, but it's just, you combine the fact that he missed the entire summer. He, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a training camp. He comes in already had off season surgery as well. So that's part of it too. And then you throw him right out there and you ask him to be that lead guy when he didn't have that summer. And then you combine that with a, a horrific offensive line that is just destroyed by injuries and a really bad coaching staff. I don't think he's as bad as we saw early in the season, but I, I think what we've seen from him the last few weeks, the last, like, I guess I'd say like six weeks, five weeks is more what I expected to see from him. A below average running back. Who's probably not even a good RB, not even a quality RB two. Who's really more of an RB three at this stage in a situational guy. The issue with him and the difference between like him and Zeke, although I, I do think Zeke actually surprisingly, this was, this was a surprise to me. Zeke has more left in the tank than Dalvin. I didn't expect to be saying that. Going into Zeke's been okay this year. He has been okay this year. I I don't think he's been that bad. Uh, I, I, he's been better than I expect him to be. But the, the other part of it is, I think Zeke is going to have a career for the next few years. I don't know where Dalvin goes after this because what is his role? He's not a good pass catcher. He has ball security issues, and he's not explosive, and he's also not particularly a good short yardage back. In fact, he's been historically bad at short yardage. What is his role? Because when you're not a bell cow like he was for most of his career. You need to have a specific role, and I don't think he has one, which is why I have no issue that as soon as the Jets were out of playoff contention, they're like, oh, okay, we're just going to make Izzy Abanacanda RB2 because that's what they did this past week. Izzy Abanacanda was RB2. He finally got some touches. I think he had like 45 yards uh, on like nine carries. Good. Keep doing that because he has a role. Izzy Abanacanda is not a good pass blocker. He has some ball security issues, but the dude has a role. What's his role? He's explosive as hell. He's super fast. Get him in space. Dalvin doesn't have a role. So I don't know what his future is after the Jets, but I, I, I agree. I, I mean, he's not going to be there next year. Here's the big question I have, though. With a, is it a Bonaconda or a Banaconda for both? A Banaconda. It is? Okay. That's what, that's what, a Bonaconda. I'm, going on, I'm going on Dane Brugler. That's what he said on the pronunciation guide. It said a Banaconda. Oh, geez. Pro football reference, another one says a Bonaconda there. So Pro football reference has been wrong. I, I told you this. I didn't say this on, on stream. I tweeted, or I got a tweeted out, but I put out a thing on the Jet Press Facebook page uh, about Quinn and Williams' birthday, like a few weeks ago. His birthday was not his birthday was like like what this week or whatever this past week. Uh, Pro Bowl reference is wrong, so I don't <laughs> know. Man. Also, too, you did that one article about the, the best Jets born in every uh, yes. country, and then it said Lakin Tomlinson wasn't born in Jamaica when he is. I'm so mad. I, I I forget if I ever plugged this on the show. This was a while ago. This was, I think, in the summer. I did an article, or maybe it was during this. I forget. It was this article about uh, ranking every single foreign-born Jets player in his in their history because I'm insane and I love that stuff. Uh, I was like, oh, it was it took a long lot like a lot of research. A lot. I had to go to literally every single pro football reference page for every country that they have documented in their database and find every single player. And be like, all right, did this guy play for the Jets? Did this guy play for the There's no, I mean, there might be a better way to do it. That's how I did it. It took me hours and hours and hours. I'm so mad because for some reason, Pro Football Reference does not have Lakin Tomlinson as listed as being born in Jamaica, even though he is. So if you look at that list, Lakin Tomlinson should probably be in the top five. I mean, I know we were just saying that he's been disappointing with the Jets, which he has, but man, there is not, it's like, I think Tony Richardson is like number two or three. Like, no offense to Tony Richardson as a fullback. Guy Bingham. Guy Bingham, long time long snapper for the Jets, I think is top three or top. Where's Tony Richardson born? Germany. Tony oh, Richardson. Oh wow! Huh. I, I didn't know that before that, but I found out then. Get, uh, getting off of birthplaces. Uh, anyway, that's a fun I, I guess the 
the question I have with with Abana Canada is: Are you confident enough in Abana Canada next year as RB two? Because no. we, I think they want to go in. Like I know Nathaniel Hackett's very big on splitting up carries, but I think what this year crystallized is Brees Hall has been even with all the line issues, he is like a three hundred touch a year bell cow guy. Now that he's back from the injury, I wish he had an offensive line that would actually block for him sometimes. I mean, the, the Commanders game, he that was him single handedly carrying that offense in that game. I mean, he was phenomenal yeah. in that game. Are you confident enough in a Banacanda as running back too? Or do you want to maybe spend another fourth round pick or something like that? Get a veteran on like a one year, $4 million deal or something like that. What's the plan at RB2? I'm going to regret saying this, I think, because I could see a scenario in the future where I, I don't, enjoy, I don't like this signing, but bring me AJ Dillon. I said it last week. Bring me AJ Dillon. Now I can fully see a scenario where the Jets sign AJ Dillon, and it's the same situation that Packers fans are in, where they're like, "Oh man, why, why isn't Aaron Jones getting the ball more? Get Aaron Jones out there." I could totally see myself doing that with Brees Hall and being like, "Oh, stop giving AJ Dillon the ball. He ever, he only gets three yards a carry." The thing about AJ Dillon, and I said this last week as well, he will consistently get between two and like four and a half yards every single play. He's never going to get more. But he very rarely gets less. I can't remember what there was an old Cowboys, but I think it was about Walt Garrison, who was an old running back. Sure. Or maybe been from Walt Garrison, but he was, he was talking about he goes, if you needed third, if it was third and three, he gets you four yards every time. Yep. If it was third That's and eight, he gets you four yards. That is AJ Dillon. <laughs> and that is exactly what the Jets need because Brees Hall, even if he's like, what, is he 220, 220? He's a big guy. He does not run like a big guy. He is definitely a, a explosive in space type of running back. I mean, that's something Robert Sala has already criticized him for publicly this year for not grinding out those yards. Izzy Abanacan is not going to do that. He's not going to be that guy. Dalvin Cook was never to do that. So that was already a bad compliment there. Uh, AJ Dillon can do that. If it's not AJ Dillon, I don't know. I got to look at, I, I would need to look at a list of free agent running backs. I don't think they'll draft one. I think they only have five picks. Don't use one of those on a running back. Uh, even though I'm, I do, I do abide by the belief of, Hey, why not take a swing on a late running, late round running back in most draft classes? You might as well. Uh, Latavius Murray. That's another guy to throw out there that maybe I don't, I don't think he has any ties to the coaching staff that I could think of, but he's somebody nice. I saw that uh, Latavius Murray is someone who bigger guy. He can handle short yardage work. He's a veteran. I don't want another rookie. I don't want a younger guy. I want a stable, reliable veteran. Murray can also play specials, which Dalvin Cook doesn't. Latavius Murray definitely plays better. I'm getting Frank Gore vibes. He's going to be 34 next year. That's fine. He was still effective this year. He's still a perfectly fine. I, look, he's not. Brian has I, a good. Uh, actually, I do like this idea. Antonio Gibson, because he actually was a wide receiver in college. That's a good like pass catching. That would guy. be like if you want to just go full on Dolphins running backs. That's what you do. If you want to say we don't need compliments, we're going to get a bunch of guys who do similar things, and they're just all really fast and and good path. So he takes awesome. Yo, I don't know if you heard you heard that on the mic for sure, right? Yeah, you know where that was from? Do you know what website just had a had a pop-up ad? Pro football reference. So you know what? Screw those guys. <laughs> That's really oh, funny. Dear. That's hilarious. Um, pro football reference pop-up ad. But I like Antonio Gibson as a as a player. I think he's a good pass catcher. It's not the role that I'm envisioning for a Jets running back, but I wouldn't hate it at all. And I think him, Brees Hall, and Izzy Banacanda is a perfectly fine running back trio going into next year. I think it's time now to also finally wrap this up and do our little preview. But before mm -hmm. that, I have a message. I'm going to do this now since I didn't start the show with it for my friends over at Sleeper we forgot. Daily Fantasy. 
because the Jeff Press is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Make sure to use our code FANSIDED2, that is F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2, when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly and scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. Now then, Jets-Browns, Thursday Night Football. It's funny, too, because the Browns are the Jets of the Mirror Universe this year. They're Bizarro World Jets because a lot of things that I've been used as excuse and not excuses. I'm going to say reasons, reasons the Jets have not been able to win this year. Quarterback injuries, offensive line injuries, a lack of great skill position talent. They all apply to the Browns too because Deshaun Watson got hurt. Nick Chubb got hurt. Jedrick Wills and a lot of their other best linemen, they got hurt. And yet the Browns are nine and six in the postseason and the Jets are six and nine, 13 straight years without the postseason. So I'm looking, and people always say, well, why? Is it because Robert Sala sucks? A lot of people have used the Browns as an example as to why Robert Sala sucks. But honestly, they just got good quarterback play. Now the Jets have tried Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, Tim Boyle, almost Brett Rippon. Like those are the levels they're on. And none of those guys have worked this year. And you know what? The Browns are trying it too. None of those guys are working. My draft crush, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he looked just physically overmatched a little bit, like good athlete. He just didn't have, I think, the, the juice within the arm talent to really execute an offense. I don't know why they had him thrown deep all the time against the Ravens in his first start and killed his confidence, but that's another point. P.J. Walker, I don't know how he keeps getting jobs. He's terrible. Yeah. And then finally, they land on Joe Flacco, and Flacco has 10 touchdowns this year, and the Browns are in the postseason. It's, well, you know, the Browns are doing things to Joe. Like, they're not really conducting this high-octane mega offense. Joe Flacco, just on a base level, even with all the mobility issues, I think he's still probably the slowest guy in the league right now, even with the fact he's not good under pressure, he's still making plays. You know why? Super smart. The arm is still there. And he's a little daring. He's throwing some picks. The Jets quarterbacks are not daring. Whatever the polar opposite of daring is, that <laughs> that's every single one of these Jets quarterbacks. Zach Wilson used to be, and then they beat it out of him. That's what I was going to say. Zach was the opposite, and that's literally why the Browns have had the success. So there's another universe where yeah. Aaron Rodgers goes down, they sign Joe Flacco. I guarantee, I don't know if they're as, if they're as good as the Browns are right now, because I think somehow the Browns have a better defense than the Jets. But you know what? They have at least, I think, one or two more wins with Joe Flacco as the quarterback, and now we're talking about a postseason push instead of talking about offensive tackles they can draft. I think it's – it's. I'm glad you said that, like, the coach has beat it out of it because how much of the reason that the Jets quarterbacks are as, as complacent or whatever, as you want to say, is because of the coaching staff? I'd say a lot of it. I think that just the Jets have a very conservative offensive game plan and the way they coach their quarterbacks, it seems to be the same way. I mean, I know Joe Flacco isn't exactly a young, impressionable guy, and if he came in, you know, maybe he would just – still try and push the push the envelope a little bit and um, be like what do I have to lose I'm 40 years old but I don't know I do I feel like if Joe Flacco was on the Jets well, well even, even last year like I know I, Michael Florida Nathaniel Hackett but like one of the reasons I think obviously Rodgers but like they did want a stylistically similar guy Flacco was a little bit more vertical than some of the other guys like Flacco actually tries that Browns game oddly yeah. enough when he beat the Browns that looked like Baltimore Joe Flacco. Yeah. If it didn't look like time. the beating up old guy from Denver. He was chucking that ball. 
if Flacco, I feel like Flacco, what we're seeing in Cleveland is the same Flacco we saw at the Jets. Like if you give him time, he is still a very heady, smart quarterback with a very good arm who can beat defenses. He can absolutely do that. I think the Browns offensive line, although they've had so many injuries, has still relatively held up a lot better than the Jets offensive line, like a lot better. That's why I hesitate, I, I hesitate, I hesitate to say that if you put Joe Flacco on this Jets team, I don't know, man. Like it might be, I, I'm not sure he lasts two games. Like, like I, I don't know if he plays two full games to get two wins. Cause it's just the O line sucks. Like it's, it's so, 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 so bad. I guess we'll test that theory in this game because the Browns offensive line is still banged up and not good. Here comes the Jets pass rush. Let's see just, how mobile Flacco is. I think Flacco, if you put him in that commander's game, performs better than Trevor Simeon, 100%. I think the Jets O-line in that game was fine. Specifically, I mean, the commanders, they have not. What do they have an edge rusher after they traded away? Chuck I do Chief. feel bad. I don't feel bad for Jack Del Rio because he sucks and he's not like a nice guy from what I've heard. Yeah, I could be wrong on that. I don't want to slander him. No, no, no. He, he, he sucks. I'm pretty sure I've heard some bad stuff. Okay, there we go. But I do find it funny that they traded away Chase Young and Montez Sweat, and they're like, why can't you get any sacks? You're fired. Yeah. It's like Deron Payne's still good. Jonathan Allen's still good, but where are the edge rushers? They got, they got nothing there. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, I, I think if you put Flacco in that game, yeah, he probably does pretty well. I mean, I know, you know, Tomlinson allowed like seven pressures in that game, whatever. So the interior pressure was still there, but at least the tackles were fine. Um, but I don't think if you put him in other games where where Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle or whoever was running for their lives that Flacco's going to do any better. Um, that said, happy for the guy. Happy he's killing it with the Browns. It's really, it's a fun story. Uh, I don't think it's one of those stories. Like it's, it's the Jets. So everyone's going to clown the Jets for everything whenever there's an opportunity. But I don't think rationally people should look at this and go, oh, Joe Flacco is leading the Browns to the playoffs and potentially whatever, you know, could make a run there. Uh, and the Jets were like, yeah, we're fine with Zach Wilson. Like, I don't think that's a one-to-one comparison, even though it's going to be made and it's been made. And obviously if Flacco plays really well this week, it will be made even more. It'd be even worse if Wilson were playing. He did reach out to him, didn't they too? He did. So, so, so I think that's what makes it worse. The fact he's like, yeah. please, can I play for you guys? And they said, no. And I'm not like, I'm not even like, I totally get where the clowning is happening. I, I would expect it. Like I would expect nothing less. I'm just saying rationally, I don't think it's a one-to-one comparison. Now Carson Wentz, I think it's different. If like Carson Wentz reached out to the Jets, they didn't want him. If Carson Wentz was balling out for the Browns, I'd be like, yeah, you should clown the Jets for this. Because I think Wentz of the Jets would have done a lot better than Joe Flacco with the Jets. And Wentz also by all accounts, had a lot more left in him than Flacco did at this stage in, in 2023. Uh, but I'm happy for him. It's cool to see him. Less cool to see Elijah Moore. I'm fine with him. <laughs> I'm fine with him being gone. Uh, he doesn't need to succeed. I'm, I'm cool with that. But yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, if we're going to talk about the game itself, I, you know, actually, you know what I want to know? I'm going to ask you, and I also want to ask people in chat. I want to see who in chat, tell us if you're rooting for the Jets or if you're not rooting for the Jets this week. I want to I want to see the responses. Here's the weird thing. I used to I, I was always, even before, especially before this year, I was big on you know, tank and get the better draft pick. Then I know that the commanders game was not like a shining you, oh Robert Silas so great. I think as it was close, like if they blew him out, people would have been happy, but like retroactively the negativity of like this team can't do anything right now. I want them to lose and they win. I'm like, are just to spite you miserable people. And especially some people on Twitter, you know who you are people on Twitter who might be listening to this. Like because of that, just to spite them, like, you know what? It's Christmas Eve. Can you guys be happy? Like the jets want to get, they never win. And then they finally win a winnable game. They should beat the commanders. And they did. Like, can you guys just for a second enjoy some happiness? I can't can't go through like the whole woe is me thing. Like, it's funny, 
sometimes. And in conversation, you talk with your friends and other people, oh, woe is me, I'm a Jets fan. But, like, you can't be too negative. That's, just, that's no fun. Why root for the Jets if you do that? I My belief is I never like to please fandom. So if people want to go out and, and root for the Jets to win, even if it makes all the sense in the world for the future of the organization to lose, that's fine. Because you're a Jets fan at the end of the day. If you want to see your team win and you want to be happy, go for it. And if you want to see them lose because you're rooting for draft position, I have no issue with that too. Do whatever you want. Root for whoever wants to win. As long as you're like, as long as you're not like rooting for the Jets to lose a playoff game, then you're not, you're probably not a Jets fan. But like, if you're, if you're, if you have the best interest of the, both the fan base or the organization, and you're just like, I want to see this because I'm a fan of this team, you go for it, man. I don't care. Go for it. You know, I'm not going to, I've, gonna I've seen people who said, like, I would rather tank and get a top pick than like get the number seven seed and get killed. Like, I've seen that. Yeah. And if people want to believe that, that's fine. No, it's I don't, not I fine. <laughs> I, if people want to believe that, they can believe that. I'm not going to say they, that's not that makes them a fake fan, whatever. If that's how they want to root for this team, if that's how they want to watch sports, go for it. I, oh, I, I will. Hating is free. You can hate easily. I, 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 like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe I'm too positive a person. I, I feel like I, I try not to please people's fandom. If people want to root for them to win or lose, whatever. But I do agree with you, Mike, that I look, I wasn't rooting for the, the Jets to beat the Commanders by any means on this on Sunday, but. I wasn't going to let that ruin my Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve. I'm hanging with my family, trying to just have a good time. That sucked. Like, I didn't want them to win. And the way that it ended up happening also sucked because they blew a huge lead and somehow still pulled it off, even though they blew a huge lead to a terrible team. That's not great. Uh, And they won with Trevor Simeon. Who cares? But it was Christmas Eve. I wasn't going to be a negative person the entire time because who cares? Zach Kuntz is on the active roster. Sorry, I just saw that. That's fun. <laughs> That's a really fun thing. Most uh, athletic tight end of all time, Zach Koontz, yes. confirmed by also, science. Austin Seibert is back. He's going to be the kicker this week, I assume. Because so Seibert's going to start two games, play two games with the Jets this year. That's fun. Uh, look and, look yeah, at Dwayne, this game, too. Like, if there was Dwayne actual – like, Dwayne Brown and I are, by the way, so he's not he, – speaking of players who will never play a game for the Jets again and potentially in the NFL, I imagine Dwayne Brown is one of them. Tough way for a, a great player, borderline Hall of Fame player to go out. It is. I It, it is. Yeah. I feel bad for him because people shit on him really quickly this year because he struggled early on. But, man, like – Micah Parsons not, right out loud. He did not have to come back this year. He did – he had his money guaranteed. He did not have to play this year. He wanted to play because he – unfortunately, he wanted to win a Super Bowl. He had never done that in his career. He wanted yeah. to win a championship. He wanted to compete. And, I mean, there's a re- – he could have taken his money last year too. When he first had that that shoulder injury, instead he played through a torn rotator cuff the entire year, strapping his arm into a harness to play football. That's what Dwayne Brown was doing all last You year. know what they should do is just bring him on as like an assistant offensive line coach. If he wants to do He that loves job. football. You can tell. He loves Who's it. The, who is the Jets assistant offensive line coach right now? Do you know? Because I don't. They have one. They have one? They, have, they must have one. There's no way they can employ coaches at that position. The Jets assistant <laughs> offensive line coach is Ben Wilkerson, who was previously, oh, what a track record. The offensive line coaches of the Chicago Bears and New York Giants the last couple stints. What a See, track it's, record. It's, it's guys like that where you, <laughs> they don't have success anywhere and they keep bouncing around. Where did he come from? Like, why did they sign him? What's, what connection did he have? He was brought in in 2022. Oh, he probably just had a good Indeed resume. He wasn't even brought in with Keith Carter. He was brought in last year under John Benton and then retained for Keith Carter. Uh, yeah, I, I, he wasn't retained by the Giants after 2021 after Judge and all that stuff were fired. I I don't know. I don't know where he came from. But anyway, yeah, sure. If you want to keep Dwayne Brown around, that's fine. 
Looking at this game, I'm looking at this game though, this Jets Browns game. Like we always get kind of like funny with our score predictions sometimes. If both of these games end up, if both teams score in the single digits, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me because the Browns defense. Every Jets game. <laughs> I, I know, but like specifically, it's people I don't think are still talking enough about it. I think Miles Garrett is probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Long time coming. He is as good a defensive end as this team will play this year, and he gets to just lick he's his never chops. Won he hasn't won it yet. You're right. That's wild. Yeah, I think he's going to get it this yeah. year. Linebackers are fast. They are, That's secondary. I mean, we talk about the Jets secondary, but Denzel Ward and Martin Emerson – that's a hell of a cornerback yeah. deal. I'm not going to say it's Greg, Greg Han- Newsom. Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom too. I'm not going to say it's uh, Hanford Dixon, Frank Minifield, like they had in the '80s, which was like the best in the league for like four or five years. But I was like pre flexing your old school knowledge, flexing your old school knowledge there before Sauce and because they were both big, strong guys. But anyway, uh, and then the safeties too. Grant Delpit just got a contract extension. Like every level, they got players. But it's the front seven, really, that just gets after you. And now they get not only a bad offensive line, but they don't get Zach Wilson's escapability. They get Trevor Simeon. Now, we don't remember having the last time Trevor Simeon played against Miles Garrett. And, yeah. Uh, He's got Mackay yeah, back just... to block Miles Garrett this week because I believe he lines up over to left tackle, left tackle normally. So there you go. That's going to be I rough. I wonder if you're Simeon, like, do you think about that? Like, specifically because they're playing the Browns. Like, I wonder, do you think about that? I hope I someone asks him like this week in the in the media. Like I bet he thinks about it regard. Like even if he didn't break his ankle that time, I'm sure it's like going into the game. He's like, oh, it's it's Miles Garrett. I'm playing. All right, got it. And Zedaria Smith on the other side is not like he's a good player too. And then if you flip it around too, like we mentioned, Flacco struggling with his mobility against this Jets pass rush. But what'll make it interesting too, like Jerome Ford's a good running back, and the Jets are 24th in rush defense, so they'll probably try to run the ball a lot, but. Then you get two admittedly great matchups where you get Amari Cooper and Sauce and then DJ Reed and Elijah Moore. That that's gonna be a hell of a matchup. I feel like Moore is is more in the slot normally, isn't he? Isn't he more of a slot guy for them? They move him around a little bit. All right. But like it's not I'm not hundred percent up on Brown's personnel usage. Yeah, but from what I've seen, they move him around a little bit. Okay. But I Who's mean their other starting wide receiver. Is it Cedric Tillman? David they had Donovan, Donovan Peoples Jones and traded him, so I think yeah. It's I don't even know who their third receiver is. They have Marquis Goodwin too. That's I forgot about that. Wow, oh, the track man. But so yeah. because of that, unless Jerome Ford just turns into Nick Chubb and runs for a bunch of yards, this is going to be an ugly old school slobber knocker where there may be one touchdown score in this entire game between both teams. So like, mm-hmm. if we're doing score predictions, I'm honestly going to say Browns thirteen, Jets six. And honestly, the touchdown is probably going to be Trevor Simeon fumbling because Miles Garrett's going to rip his entrails out on a really hard pass rush, and then they're going to start with the ball at the five-yard line. Like th- I can't see either team. Maybe they'll have like a fluke, like you know, like the Khalil Shakir play where a guy falls down and they get a seventy-yard touchdown. Can you see either team really getting sustained seventy-yard touchdown drives against either of these defenses? Probably not. Because for as fun as the Joe Flacco resurgence has been, I think this Jets defense matches up really well against him. Uh, they will pressure him. They will get after the quarterback. And when Joe Flacco was pressured in the year 2023, 
bad things generally happen. I know he's made a couple of plays kind of scrambling around the last couple of weeks where it's like, what's going on here? But that's still not his specialty. That's not his forte. He's also a gunslinger. He will take chances. He's not a, a Jacoby Brissett or a Dak Prescott or whatever who have had two or those are quarterbacks who have had success against his Jets defense because they're not pushing it down the field very often. Joe Flacco will try to do that. I mean, look at what he was doing with Amari Cooper last week. That's not going to work against the Jets, at least presumably based on everything that's happened over the last two years, based on everything we know about this Jets defense. That will not work. So I could totally see Joe Flacco having a three interception game. Maybe he fumbles. He gets sacked a lot. Who knows? Maybe he gets hurt and PJ Walker comes in. I, I don't know. Uh, but I don't think it's, we're going to see the same Joe Flacco that we've seen the last couple of weeks against this Jets defense. So for that, I agree. I do think it'll be a very low-scoring game, as is every Jets game. I'm running out of ways to predict low-scoring games. I feel like I'm saying the same score predictions every single week. I'll say – I don't know, man. I'll say – I want to say – I was going to be like, oh, yeah, Jets score three touch, or three field goals or whatever. Not touchdowns. Whoa. Three field goals. Uh, <laughs> but Austin Seibert's kicking, so who the hell knows? It's not even Zerline. So let's say, you know what? You know what? 14-13, Browns win. Austin Seibert missed extra point is the reason the Jets don't win. Let's former Brown, Austin Seibert. Former Brown, Austin Seibert. Yes, former Browns draft pick, right? Out of Oklahoma or something? That was because Baker Mayfield, that was his kicker, so. Yeah, was he a fifth-round pick or something? Because they had Baker at the time, so they got him as guy. Fifth round pick, 2019 by the Browns. Played one year with them, missed five extra points. There you go. The agenda is strong. Austin Seibert missed extra point is the reason that the Jets lose, which would be great. For the tank, Austin Seibert would be pro tank. So I hope that Well, happens. no, then I'm going to hear, oh, Salah lost to Joe Flacco, fire him. Like, it's, it, it won't. I don't care. I, I don't care. I, I don't care anymore. I, I don't care what the narrative is. I want the Jets to lose. I just hate when both net, when both narratives, like, make people upset. It's like, then why do you guys even watch football? All you do is complain. Yeah, like, enjoy wins, man. Like, come on, we'll tank said, for a better pick. Oh, yeah, like, let, let's see how tanking has worked in the history of the Jets because they're overflowing with examples of tanking and then doing well. You didn't think tank in 2021? How'd that go? How'd that yeah. go? As Brian said in chat, Cyber was signed to the practice squad, so not official that he's playing, but I'm assuming because Zerline was limited on two who went Monday in, in it's like there was like the 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 what do you call it? Not, not it was. Yeah, walk through whatever evaluation, whatever the whatever the estimation, estimation. That's the word. There it is. Estimation. He was limited on Monday and then did not practice on Tuesday. That was the estimation there. So clearly, stuff got worse. I don't expect him to play. I would be very surprised if he plays. I assume they're just signing Cyber to the practice squad to elevate him. But we'll probably find out. I think Sala has he spoken to the media today? I think he did, right? Or no? I don't know. Thursday weeks throw me all off, dude, because he normally speaks to the media around on Wednesdays around what? two or something um so it throws me off that we're the thursday week but i don't know either way i expect cyber to be Reg the regardless i'm i'm predicting that he misses an extra point 14 13 browns win that's my prediction and i'm predicting this is the end of the jeff press podcast our last wednesday podcast of 2023 we will be back in 2024 we have one more game podcast to recap which is going to be thursday night after the jets completely put an end a death to the concept of offensive football and what's going to be a horrible game against the Cleveland Browns. We'll be live after that. And then we'll keep going strong in 2024 on our usual schedule. You could follow us on YouTube at the jet press, make sure to like, and subscribe. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, overcast, or on all those podcast sites, Justin Brown's week. How are we feeling? Feeling like, 
feeling like I want to see a loss. <laughs> feeling like I don't want to see Trevor. You too. I feel like I don't want to see Trevor Simeon win a meaningless football game for the Jets that cost him a top prospect. That's how I feel. Uh, as Brian yeah, said, they, they so often get top prospects and do so well. So, <laughs> all right. Look, as Brian said in chat, Thomas Moore said he should attempt at least two passes tomorrow. I'm all for it. Friend of the pod, Thomas Morstead. Uh, I'll plug it one last time. There's a really cool interview interview we did with Thomas Morstead. That's live on YouTube. I had a, a really awesome, I think it came out really well, feature article on Thomas Morstead. You can find that on our website. It's our pinned tweet as well on Twitter. Definitely check all that stuff out. Uh, yeah, this is our last Wednesday show for the year, which is crazy. So thank you all for being with us throughout the year. We'll we'll, we'll talk more about that, I guess, tomorrow after after the game. Uh, but yeah, we've come a long way, man. We've come a long way, almost a year of doing the show. So that's really fun. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jeff Press at the Jeff Press. Download Jeff Press Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time and live immediately following every single Jets game. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That is Mike Luciano. We will see you guys tomorrow night. See you guys after the Browns nightmare. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.